This is the NHS. This is the NHS Assembly. The NHS Assembly. NHS Assembly podcast. This is the NHS Assembly podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Enright, Director of Communications for the NHS in England. Welcome to another edition of the NHS Assembly podcast, where we update you about one of the big topics discussed at the most recent Assembly meeting. The Assembly met for the fourth time in South London at the beginning of December. In this episode, we'll look back at the conversation we had on what it's like to work for the NHS at the moment. Professor Michael West has written a report for the General Medical Council called Caring for Doctors, Caring for Patients. It's about what it's really like to be part of the NHS workforce and what can be done to make it better for everyone who works here. We'll also hear from Prina Issa, our Chief People Officer, on her plan for a new core offer for staff to make things better for people who work in the NHS. But let's start with Professor Michael West, who began his presentation to the Assembly not with a pie chart or an organogram, but with a poem. When I finally stood and stopped after a day of running while sitting, made of all the sunlit hours and more, computer not working, running late before starting, listening, clicking, caring, clicking, listening, examining, caring, helping, clicking. Did I say clicking? Well, then more clicking, reading, listening, investigating, clicking, looking, caring, thinking, fast, never slow, caring, phoning, clicking, finding, looking, hard, rarely easy, prescribing, clicking, holding hands, too brief, come back, Printing, computer now slow, working, to me hinting. No time left for slowing, clickety-click, clicking. Clicking, clicking, phones are getting louder. That's part of a poem written by the GP, Rachna Chowler, who kindly let us use it for this podcast. Professor West told me why he had decided to read it out at the start of his presentation to the Assembly. I think it's really important that we understand that when we talk about mental health and well-being of our staff at work, that we don't just simply intellectualise that, but we understand the harrowing experiences that staff have every day, the visceral difficulties of trying to cope with excessive work demands, the pain they experience in dealing with others' pain and suffering and fear and anxiety and that we understand it at a deeply emotional level as well as at an intellectual or cognitive level. What levels of stress are we talking about here? So we know from the best research studies that have been done over the years that 50% more staff report in the NHS report debilitating levels of work stress compared with the general working population as a whole. And if we look at the National Staff Survey, every year we see that somewhere around 37-40% of staff report that they've had a stress-related illness in the course of the previous year. So this is very high. And we also know that that there are serious consequences in terms of patient care and staff health and well-being. Professor West uses ABC to help remember what everyone needs to be happy and healthy at work and so you can do your best for the patients you're looking after. A is for autonomy, the need we have to have control over our own working lives. B is for belonging, feeling connected to your workplace. And C is for competence, 
feeling confident we have the skills we need to do the job well. The ABC helps set a clear direction for what NHS leaders need to do. Professor West has a prescription for how leaders in the NHS should behave. Leaders must embody compassion. That means four things. The first is they must attend to staff, listen to them, and I would say listen with fascination. Second, they have to understand the challenges that their staff face, not by imposing an understanding, but through a dialogue. And third, they have to have an empathic response. They have to care for staff. I mean, given what we've talked about in terms of levels of staff stress, absolutely they should be caring. And fourth is they have to help their staff to do the jobs that they want to do, which is provide high-quality, compassionate care by ensuring they've got the right resources and removing the barriers that are in the way. One of the comments in the room today was around the demands on the service and the, how they've grown. Yeah. Is it still possible to do what you are arguing for here, yeah. showing compassion, when I think, I think someone said um, the norm now is leading under pressure. Yeah. How do you uh, get those leaders to do to lead in a compassionate way when they're under such pressure. Yeah, so uh, my, my response to that is, this is the only solution when you're under this pressure. Um, if we are going to solve the problems that the NHS faces, we have to innovate. And the starting place of innovation is identifying the difficulties and the problems that exist out there. And that means listening to the staff who are providing those services at the front line. We also know it's about reducing uh, work demands on people that are currently unsustainable. I think chronic excessive workload is the number one issue our leaders need to face. It's the number one predictor of patient satisfaction negatively, it's the number one predictor of staff stress and it's the number one predictor of staff intention to leave. So we have to start looking at how we can reduce work demands. That's through reducing unnecessary work. East London Foundation Trust has cut out 85% of its clinical audit activities. Its care quality continues to rise. It's rated as outstanding by CQC. We have to look at working in multi-professional teams where people's roles are being developed so everyone is using their skills to the full in the most appropriate way. It's, it's also working with patients and communities to encourage them to take shared responsibility for our health service. And look, we see examples of this all over the country, of organisations, of primary healthcare teams, where these good practices are being implemented with really positive effects in terms of staff health and well-being and patient care outcomes. Let's hear a bit of the discussion in the Assembly after Professor West's presentation. These are the contributions of medical student Gabrielle Matthews and Dame Jackie Daniels, who runs Newcastle-upon-Tyme NHS Trust. But first, neonatal sister, Amy Overend. Up until about two weeks ago, was ready to quit being a nurse. I wanted to leave my profession, which is not something that I would ever want to do because I love being a nurse. But in the space of six weeks, I had seven deaths all that I had to support my staff through um, and there was no support for me. I'm in that kind of category where I'm senior enough that I have a whole nursing team that I take care of 
but not senior enough that I have enough of a senior team to take care of me. The one thing that has made a huge difference within my field is bringing carers and parents into the forefront of their care. So actually enabling the parents, teaching staff how to use families to care for their baby takes away some of that pressure. And it's great because it, it does work well. It's not working in every neonatal unit, but it is getting better. We do talk about the multidisciplinary team, but we're never really trained as a multidisciplinary team. I've been on placement with student nurses and never once anyone ever tried to train us together. And I think we come into our teams and you often learn by experience of how to refer to physio and how to talk to physio about patient. And it's almost a tick box in exams. Like, oh, you've got this patient that's come in, they've fallen. What do you want to do? Oh, refer to physio or like nursing care. And it's like a little tick and no one ever teaches you really how to work through it. I definitely think it's got to be staff-driven and staff-led. You know, we have got a lot to feel optimistic about. We've got to be realistic. I think we've got to be clear about context. But all the things around hope and, um, you know, thinking about the kind of medium term, the things that you can do to stabilise the things that are in front of us today, the things that will help with the transition and transformation. The NHS Assembly Podcast. This is the NHS Assembly Podcast. Running an organisation of 1.4 million people with myriad clinical and financial pressures is complicated. The woman tasked with finding a way through this is Prana Issa. She joined the NHS as its Chief People Officer in July. Since then, she's been finding ways to engage with thousands of NHS workers, sifting through comments from the staff survey, setting up tweet chats and listening events, and monitoring traffic on the health and care portal. That has led to staff contributing more than 10,000 ideas to improve life in the NHS. Prana has used those ideas to come up with what she calls a new leadership compact and a core staff offer, which will be launched in 2020. She told me what had come out of all the discussions with staff. One of the key themes was, how can I have a workplace that allows me the basic biological needs to be met. So on the one hand you can say, well this, why isn't it being met already? And there are parts of the NHS where it is, but you know, there, there are others in which people are, don't have access to water for a whole shift, where, they, where staff don't have access to a hot drink out of hours or hot food, where they don't have a place to rest in a 13, 12, 13, 14 hour shift, where they don't have a place to store their belongings. And the fact that we have that people, thousands of people have asked us to put this on the core offer, it means it isn't being done. And what we hope is that the core offer gives a platform to all of our colleagues to ask for it where it isn't being given. And it gives a very clear direction to managers and leaders to provide it. So sometime in 2020, you will launch the people plan with the core offer to help people with their work to, to be able to do the best they possibly can and the offer about leadership. One challenge in the room was they could see how this would work in a trust and to some extent they could see how this could work in a GP surgery but the NSS is so much bigger than that from uh, pharmacies through to ambulances, how will you make that commitment to the whole NHS service that that core offer and that leadership style um, is for everyone, not just for some parts of the NHS? Absolutely, and I, I think um, you know the invitation from the Assembly was very much about uh, thinking 
big on the core offer, being as big tent, I'm putting my hands up in quotes, as big tent as we possibly can. Um, it's, it is uh, primary care, it is uh, social care as well, because we, I mean, I'm not saying that we are mandating it anywhere, um, but we know that social care and healthcare workforces are actually, they move through these two uh, parts of, um, of health and social care. And, and we want to make sure that we're not robbing Peter to pay Paul in the sense that this is becoming a better place to work and so more people are going to come here and you know create gaps elsewhere. So what we hope to do is to lift all parts of our workforce across health and care. Uh, ICS is the role of ICS in doing that is going to be key because we would want all um, parts of a system to be moving in this direction, whether it's local government, healthcare, social care, um, because ultimately all of that will, um, you know, will determine whether patients are going to see any difference or not. A final thought for those listening, anything they can do to help with making the NHS a, the best place to work? Yes, my first um, uh, word coming to my mind was, you know, demand more, think big. Um, and also that you have more power. We all have more power individually than we give ourselves credit for. So uh, make a change as soon as you want to. Hopefully today. Pernarissa, thank you very much. Thank you, Simon. You're listening to the NHS Assembly Podcast. The NHS Assembly Podcast. Let's get a sense of how this session went down with some of the Assembly delegates. Professor Russell Viner is president of the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health. But I started with Fatima Khan Shah, who is one of the public voice members of the Assembly. So the NHS belongs to all of us, in my view, and I feel that all of us have a responsibility in ensuring that it lasts and it continues and delivers what it was set out to do, which is providing quality of a high standard. It can't do that if the public, as in the patients, are expecting things that are unreasonable about a service that has uh, a limited capacity um, and also utilising in a way that's inappropriate and unfair. So, for example, coming up to A&E when it's inappropriate in the middle of winter is an unreasonable expectation of a fabulous resource, which is our NHS. So, as a member of the public, we have a responsibility to ensure that we're utilising our services appropriately. I think my concern and what I was saying in the meeting earlier today was why are we not having that honest conversation with our members of the public of the fact that this is a finite and precious resource and we therefore need to utilise it in a way that is fair and equitable, which means utilising it appropriately as and when you need to in the right way. And I think that we need to be a bit braver about starting that conversation. Brave for the public, Russell. Um, brave for the professions too? No, I don't think it's brave. I think it's essential. Um, the GMC's report, Michael West's report, was absolutely spot on. You know, the, the key issues are about giving people more of a sense of control, a sense of agency, and making sure they, they, they have a sense of belonging. And we can see that, I'm an academic by background, we can see that through our knowledge around mental health and well-being for adults, but also for children and young people. If you have a sense of control over your destiny, and you have a sense of belonging to the institution that you work with, you have better mental health and less burnout. One of the things that interests me is that there's actually good evidence from schools, in fact, that you can change the way that an organization's ethos or environment builds this sense of agency and builds this sense of belonging. I mean, it sounds a difficult thing to do. Of course, it's not easy, but you can shift it. We've done some research in schools through a, a cluster randomized trial which helped schools work with students 
to rewrite the school rules, to institute, institute a different school ethos um, based around prevention of bullying in particular. Um, and we actually found that simply doing that had a whole host of unexpected um, effects. Uh, young people had better mental health. They bullied yeah, less, sure, but they also smoked less, they got drunk less, and they had less contacts with the police. And we didn't aim at any of those effects, and the staff were better off as well. So simply just changing the way that the, the organisation works in some simple things promotes that sense of agency for the staff and the students, promotes that sense of belonging, and everybody's better. And actually, we should be thinking, can we do this within the NHS? I think one of the key things that I'm really passionate about is, you know, we live in the 21st century where you can get delivery in 20 minutes, right? Yeah. So that creates an unrealistic expectation of us as consumers of the NHS, because that's quite often our mentality, of receiving a service in a very fast way, which unfortunately isn't always facilitated, but also our frustration from a patient perspective of, there's all this technology available, why do I need to conform to doing things the way I used to do 15 years ago when I can do a video call on WhatsApp? Thanks to Fatima, Russell, also to Prana Issa, Professor Michael West and all the other delegates who gave so much time and energy to the Assembly. To make sure you don't miss out on the next episode of the NHS Assembly podcast, do sign up on our website or subscribe on SoundCloud, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Simon Enright. Thanks for listening. You can keep up to date with the NHS Assembly, our podcast and further reading by visiting longtermplan.nhs.uk and click on NHS Assembly to subscribe.